it's not a competition to music. It's not a competition that I find a lot of people always think we're competing against all these other kids and these all these other creative minds. It's like, no, we're, we're just trying to make dope music. And sometimes it's good to just remember that you're just, you're just, this is fun, you know? And sometimes it's caught up in like, oh, I gotta make it, I gotta do this, I gotta make millions of dollars. It's like, no, if the millions don't come, I mean, I'm happy. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the EDM Podcast. My name is Sam Matler, I'm your host and if you're new here, the EDM Podcast is a show where I talk to successful producers and experts in the music industry and pretty much anyone else who's interested and has good advice uh, for you producers out there. And today we have someone who has truly hustled their way to the top, someone who's made music on the side while holding many day jobs, who now does it full time. Uh, someone who never gave up, who committed their whole life to music. His name is Connor Patton, but he's better known as Conroe. He's had releases on labels like Monster Cat, Armada, and Revealed Recordings, and he's collaborated with stellar names like Dyro and Headhunters. He's got a super interesting background, which we talk about, uh, and we also talk about what it really took for Conroe to make it as an artist, uh, his daily schedule, saturation in the electronic music scene, why chord voicing is an underrated technique and how to think about it and much more. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to check out Conroe's work and please leave a rating and review on iTunes. It does help. Uh, you can do that at edmprod.com slash iTunes. That is edmprod.com slash iTunes. Without further ado, here is Conroe. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM podcast. Today I'm joined by Connor, uh, Connor Patton, also known as Connor. Connor, how's it going? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, now, you've got a super interesting background. You started playing violin at age seven, uh, and then you picked up piano, guitar, drums, played in a few bands. You also released, was it two folk albums? Yeah, two kind of independent uh, stuff. Uh, just recorded and released it myself. Just uh, right. coffee shop style stuff. That's awesome. Uh, now, what made you get into music in the first place? And the second part to that question, how did you end up uh producing electronic music from there yeah i guess how it happened was you know i was forced to play music at a young age and that was not by uh choice um, my, mm. my mom and dad both agreed that it would be good to uh, be focused on some sort of musical instrument so uh, they made me go into violin which was the start and uh, i think from that uh, I, I think it started to grow from being forced to to actually really enjoying it uh, mm. i my, my parents said I didn't have to do violin at a certain age, and I still I chose to start playing guitar, and then 
I chose to start uh, one. I took some piano lessons, and that kind of led into me and uh, I don't know, slowly doing some singer song. My dad had written some songs in the past too, and mm. it kind of inspired me. And he had his cassette tape and reel to reel that he recorded on, and I listened to that like a bunch. And I guess that kind of slowly translated into me doing my own thing. I learned some U2 songs on the guitar, kind of got into the band world. Uh, yeah, like you said, I did a couple folk songs. I mean, folk albums. Just recorded. I bought like really cheap microphones, and I was doing that at, out of out of my bedroom, staying up super late, just mm. oh, in love with that. And then it slowly morphed to you know asking some friends to come and play a couple shows with me, and then that turned into a band. And then the band we did a couple festivals. We did some fun stuff, and then uh, yeah, I translated to answer the second part of the question. Translated into electronic music when I uh, started going to a music school and. Uh, I did uh, learned uh, Logic on the computer, so it was a more uh, professional based uh, recording software. Whereas I was using before, you can only have sixteen tracks, and mm-hmm. I was struggling to try and yeah, figure out how to use this thing. So <laughs> I slowly learned Logic, and that was I mean I got I did I think I got like ninety eight percent in the class. That was my my, wow. my favorite favorite thing about the whole school, and you know started focusing on that and i was applying my band stuff into it but then it's slowly kind of like i heard these guys like skrillex and zed and wolfgang gardner all these yeah. cool port robinson guys coming out with all this dope hard heavy music i was like okay i gotta try that so yeah. i started and uh i put my two bits in and sure enough uh started to just kind of evolve and i set the band stuff aside and i fully focused on the uh, conroe and kind of kind of sums it up to where i'm at now yeah, and I want to talk about uh, how you get from that point to where you are now today. But yeah. I have a question because I like I played in a band as well before I got into music production, and it was awesome. Like it was super fun. But what was really appealing about electronic music production was that I had complete control over the process because uh, I'm a drummer, and I was the youngest in the band by like quite a few years. And so my voice was like not heard. It was like, oh, we could do, we could try this. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not going to do that. And, you know, that sucked. Um, like I had no creative input and then, you know, moved over to the world of music production. It was like, oh, I can do, I can do everything. Like I can change like the little details and like the big ideas. Like I have complete control over this. Did you... Like, did you notice that? Was that? Oh yeah, com- completely. I didn't. Mm. I did most of the writing for the band. Right. We would always bring them, bring creative. I, I missed that part of it for sure. But uh, the thing that you were saying was like exactly there. I mean, I had creative input from everything, and then I didn't like it after three days. Yeah. Well, I don't have to tell somebody else that. Okay, I want this change now, and then we have <laughs> through that. It's like no, whatever I want kind of goes, and that was really fun. I do miss that creative vibe though. Mm. Uh, you know that there's something special about that as well, and I'm sure someday I'll go back to uh, pursuing some sort of band stuff. But uh, as of right now, I'm just focused on combo. But yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with what you're saying. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I miss jamming. I just yeah, jamming yeah. is so <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> now, we, now we just jam by ourselves in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you get into music production. Uh, yeah. you, you start this project, and how long has Conroe been been around for now? Well, I got my first professional release. Uh, I was on Kindergarten Records as Wolfgang Gartner. Mm. Uh, that was in 2012. And that's, uh, I thought, like, the world was made for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be famous. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, it's a long it's a long journey. And, you know, and you got to keep those follow-ups and got to keep everything going. But, yeah, 2012 was when it kind of started on the 
the the scale of knowing I can get my music released. But prior to that, probably took a couple of years to get to that point at least. But That's, like yeah. I said, before that, I'd been doing music all for. And that's a, it's a big compilation of, I think I said compilation, I meant compilation <laughs> and combo or something. I don't know. But yeah, it was a big, big combo of all this uh, music and yeah, it kind of took off and well, it started anyways in 2012. Right. Gotcha. So the last five years, are you doing this full time at the moment or are you still part time? Yes. Yeah. So you're doing it full time. Um, and did you make a switch to producing and touring full time or has it just been like, You've always been doing music like full time. No, <laughs> I mean I wasn't. I wasn't fortunate enough to be living at home and and uh, living in the parents' basement and working on that. I, mm. I moved out quite early on, and yep. uh, that made things really difficult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably prolonged. It's probably prolonged a lot of stuff on my side because you know, I, I think I think I moved out like I probably was eighteen, like just fresh eighteen. I moved mm. traveling, came back, and but I was still focused on music, and then. I mean, it's been it's been a long, long time to get to only the past like year and a, or two years probably it's been full time music. But right. I mean, even that's and you know, you still got to work super hard. Before that, I mean, I've been washing cars, delivering pizza, I've done everything yeah. possible. Just and I, I mean, I've gone through so many jobs because I I had to prioritize music and mm. I went on a tour with Dairo and I had to quit my job. I have done some other things where it's like, no, I'm going in. So did you have to make like a a mindset switch um you know when you switch from producing like go part-time and, and having a job to, to doing it full-time like did your mindset change at all because for a lot of people who have come on the show uh, it has i think I, I i'm not too sure exactly what that means other than like i made the decision to say okay you know i want to go in super hard and i made like a big transition like i moved out to a farm mm. for an entire year like didn't socialize with anybody i didn't even wow. hang out with it was like one entire year I was living on this chicken farm. So I paid, I mean, it worked to pay rent on the farm, but mm. I mean, that freedom was, I could sit down on the house in, in my own place yeah, full time. And that's really transitioned to uh, me doing this now full time. But you know, uh, I think since that point, I mean, my mind, my mind has always been set that I'm doing this, but that was yeah. really like the turning point where it's like, okay, now I, I, there's, this is it. I have to do this. And if I can't do it with nobody else around me, I can't do it ever. So I love that. You, you made like a conscious, you actually moved location. Yeah. To, yeah. Dude, I moved, yeah. It was zero. Like I moved away from my home and mm. I just made a decision. It was like, Hey, you know what? I got to go somewhere. And it was like in the middle of the forest, dude. It was, <laughs> it was like this Canadian wildlife experience. <laughs> It was, I mean, it was crazy, man. Like all the songs I released last year was from writing at that place. And I was so inspired. Literally, it was just like, whether it was cracked a bottle of wine, just sitting down making music all night. Like yeah. I just, it was a, it was a little twitch in my brain that I finally got out. Which oh, that's so cool. The, the reason I like that a lot is because people say like, oh, you have to move to LA or Amsterdam or, you know, into the city if you yeah. want to make it. Like, if you want to make it yeah. big time, like, that's what you need to do. But um, that's cool. You moved out to a farm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I got, I just need to set everything aside and, you know, and get my, what, I just wanted to clear my brain. I didn't want to get yeah. wrapped up in anything or it's not a competition to music. It's not a competition that I find a lot of people mm. always think we're competing against all these other kids and these, all these other yeah. creative minds. It's like, no, we're, we're just trying to make dope music. And sometimes it's good to, just remember that you're just you're just this is fun you know yeah, and some yeah. 
gets caught up in like, oh, I gotta make it, I gotta do this, I gotta make millions of dollars. It's like, no, mm-hmm. the millions don't come. I mean, I'm happy. <laughs> I just want to make dope music. I think for a lot of people, as soon as they get into that competitive mindset, not everyone, but like a lot of people, they start getting writer's block. They start to not enjoy the process. I, I um, find it's as soon as you start to compare, you can't you can't be creative. It's yeah. Because trying to be something or trying to do something else, and so I think it's I think it's turned out good. You talked in an interview about how um, writing music is a privilege. And like reminding yourself of that helps you overcome creative block. Can you elaborate on that? Uh, why writing music is privilege? Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that you get to talk to, and then people don't understand, you know, music and where it comes from and how it starts. And man, you make electronic music, you're just pressing a button. Like mm-hmm. it's it's foreign. And you know, for the privilege to for me to have this tenacious mind or whatever it's been to pursue this kind of difficult career. I mean. You know, it's privileged to where I'm at today to be able to share it with. I mean, mm. like all the views that I'm getting now and everything, you know, getting to play shows, just got back from Miami looking like a cherry because I'm so sunburned. <laughs> like, it's 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 just a privilege. And, you know, I can't I can't say enough. Like, you know, mm. the people uh, resonate with the music. I, it's an incredible feeling. And it, I'm, I'm sitting here in my place being able to pay my bills mm. doing music. Like, it's a privilege. And. I for that reminder always to be there to remember that this is an amazing opportunity of life to live mm. you know it's an easy it's an easy way for me to sink back into the creative zone because it's I'm not doing this yeah it might be a little bit intimidating if I get writer's block and I could never pay a bill again or something like that but yeah. that's not really the point you know I, I couldn't pay bills years like a couple years ago yeah but I was, yeah I was still having fun doing it. So the fact that I'm here now, it's a huge privilege. Hopefully that answers. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine you don't want to take it for granted, which a lot of people do. And they get kind of like, you have these, I've talked to a few, I haven't interviewed them, but like really successful artists and they're complaining about the fact that they only made like 30 K last month. And it's like, come on, dude, like, come on. Uh, whatever it is, you can get people like that everywhere, whatever career it is. Yeah, 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 that's true. People are just probably not going to be our friends. Yeah. Uh, so in the, in the past, like five years, even maybe before that, um, I asked this question to everybody because like a lot of interviews, you just focus on the positive or that kind of stuff. But we all have challenges. What was the biggest challenge like during that time? Um, either artistically or just you know like like trying to to build your career in music well there's a couple different challenges i mean mm. like i said there's i mean being broke is really stressful yeah you know? for sure for sure and and that that really really wore me down for years you know i'm i haven't lived in like a trailer on a boatyard doing security like oh wow <laughs> I like lived on a trailer in wheels. Uh, it was, and that's where the studio was. That's actually where I made my first song. That got yeah, it's so inspiring. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, everybody's got to struggle, but I, that mind definitely was, you know, financially it was so hard and, you know, and, you know, and I could have got better jobs and that the thing wasn't that the money wasn't available. Mm. It was because I kept choosing to, put more time into music, put more time. And so that really took away from yeah. opportunities for, you know, and I see my friends around me walking away with, you know, all these, <laughs> I have the friend who was an optometrist now. And uh. it's like, 
holy crap and yeah like that's incredible so out in those moments and times i felt really disheartened and like what am i doing this for why am i doing this it's the same thing that we talked about a bit before it's like i'm doing it because i love it and this is something i can i know i can do and a tenacious spirit and mm. i'm pretty sure that nobody could tell me that i can't <laughs> and so that, that was probably the biggest struggle and then another struggle also on top of that was i found a little myself a little bit creatively stumped before i moved off to that farm that i mentioned oh, okay felt myself a little bit because the direction and I had I experienced so much music growing up and diverse style wise um writing and I felt like a little bit stumped when I got stuck in that uh, 128 bpm range and yeah I'd been in it for like seriously like four years straight and I was like I mean I got releases and stuff but it, yeah. I just like slowly petering out I'm just like I don't want to do this I don't want to do this I mean, I love the style still. And that for, I mean, I was just at Ultra. It was like the funnest thing to go there and go to those big main stages and dance. And, mm. you know, I still play some of those uh, higher energy songs in my sets, but just the, the writing style felt like I was getting a little bit drained. So mm. that's, that's when I moved out to the farm and I said, you know, this is all going to, I got to let everything go. Just go for Go for gold. Go for gold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, someone actually asked about that. Like what made you transition from, your your former style to the more future based kind of sound yeah that was kind of a lot of it was uh you know i actually wasn't listening to really much much music at the time i went to the farm so mm. the future piece i i didn't even know there was really the, that genre <laughs> i mean it was so fresh at that point too and mm. everybody i mean this genre is still so wide i mean future yeah. bass is pretty hard to just I have no, it. dude. I have no idea what future base is. Like, I listen to all this like, stuff. It's like, oh, this is future base. This is future base. I mean, <laughs> that's that's what I, honestly, that's what I actually really like about it. Like, mm. I think you know the subgenres and going into depth and in all these genres. It's like, oh, this is this. This is like, uh, <laughs> it's just cool music at a different exactly. tempo. Exactly. So we put future base on it, but it's like you listen to Lewis the Child and the Marshmallow. It's like there's zero similarity yeah, to yeah. both of them as artists, but they're both future base. Mm. <laughs> so I mean. I think it's just a, a genre because we don't know. I mean, it's just a new exploration of music and I yeah. love where it's going. And I, I suppose, you know, leaving the style that I was doing, it was like, I, I was really itching to hear something different. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of other people felt the same way. And, uh, you know, it's translated well on my fans and especially Spotify listeners for me. Mm. I mean, uh, it's been, it's been a good transition. I mean, I, I haven't felt so inspired and like, I'm so excited about some of the music that I got coming out this year. It's incredible. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I like that because the first word that people think of when, I don't know, someone transitions to a new genre is sellout, especially if it's a popular style. Yeah. Um, but more often than not is that, it's like what you just said. And you're seeing it with a lot of artists now, like Tritonal have obviously um, been, been dabbling in that area too. Um, yeah, and they kill it. So, yeah, that's super interesting. Um you mentioned before the interview that you, you love cooking. Do you see any parallels between cooking and music production? Because I think there's so many. For sure, man. Like, it's such a, like, for me, that transition where uh, music became full-time. Mm. Oh, and I'm investing my work brain. You know, I've got a lot of emails. i got a lot of business stuff. There's a lot of future stuff that we're talking about, planning, scheduling. We're also doing, i also setting aside for music and then remixes. And, you know, it becomes a lot of work. And, you know, I'm still passionate, obviously, like, as this whole interview has been talking about our passionate music, and, I mean, it's for me, and, but the one, one thing is, like, there's a little bit of, uh, 
I've always, you know, I was like, I'm done work. I go sit on music and I just creatively expand, you know, mm. and I sit down and, but the, the amount of time that I get for that now, that I could just said, because there's so much emails and lots of stuff that you know, I do in between now that sometimes when I sit down at cooking, it's just like this creative, like my brain just like disappears into like yeah. chopping this gar- rinsing the garlic and cutting up onions and just trying to make this concoction. And, and I've been spending a lot of time cooking, but uh, the creativity that you put into it, I mean, nobody's telling you what to do, just like music. It's like, yeah, I'm going to throw this in here and throw this in here. Maybe it's not the best uh, pasta that I ever made, or it's not the best uh, curry dish or this or that, but it's like, Hey, I tried something new and it's and next time I'm going to make it a little bit better. And I think it's uh definitely some parallels in there that's awesome that's awesome uh this is kind of a two-part question and it was from a listener a lot of people say that the electronic music scene at the moment is saturated uh if you think that's true what does it take to practice the noise and be noticed also saturated there's just so many so many artists or yeah so many artists and, and so much music coming out um that it's just really hard to I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this is true, but this is what people think. No, um, I think yeah. I think that's true from every genre from way back in the day. There's there's more artists now, but it was yeah. just as crack the scene back in the day than it is now. You know, there's just different ways. Now we move with technology where back in the day it's, you know, signing a contract and then now you're with Capitol Records. It's still hard to get to that point, whether it be signing with record uh, labels or doing deals now. It's, it's still incredibly hard. So I think it goes in two ways, I think, a little bit like it's still incredibly hard to crack. Yes. Yeah. Um, but music wise too, if you're speaking well, it's like we have so much, like everybody from any computer ever can put their music online. So I can see why they might think it's saturated because mm-hmm. it's hard to sift through. It's hard for A and R guys to find music when they've got billion demos a day. So I, I think it is a difficult, difficult one. But I think what I did is I, I made sure that my music was comparable to, other acts before I even started sending the first song yes. that I ever sent I got signed and I never sent anything prior to that I never sent any music to any labels I wanted yeah. to make sure that I was quality over quantity I didn't want to send a thousand songs to a thousand different labels crossing my fingers it would work it's mm. really important with that question is making sure and how do you know when you're at that point it, it it's it's a little tricky to judge yourself in that sense yeah. but yeah. There's people around you, and even in the small network that I had, is like go to the people who know this music, mm. and it translates. And this is this is really good. It's worth a shot. That's what I did. Anyways, like I had a lot of people doing, you know, a lot of friends who were trying to do the same thing when I first got started, and you know, we we all put it in the pool and saying, right, "What can this is really good? I think this is you know this is pretty much there. Mm. Maybe you maybe you don't know how to master it really well. Well, I sent my stuff off to get mastered just so I could send it away to the demo." Like everybody's got their own way, but I think what's really important is that uh, you just make sure you got you got the quality of music there and originality, and then that yeah, that's I could talk about that one forever because a lot of people what we said when you start comparing, well, I want to be Martin Garrix, you know, or I want to be this, yeah. well, start copying their styles, which is important because what comes in comes out, but at the same time, I think it's important to focus on what makes your eardrum you know knock what what tickles your ears and i think it's i think that part's really important to focus on and you know that that develops over time that's not something instant you know i figure out what what really works and sometimes i think you get to the point where it just starts bleeding through your music and you can't control it and it's just like hey every chord i choose sounds like kind of like the chord that i go to even though i think it sounds different yeah 100 percent 
yeah, I, I get questions from people. They're like, how do I make or how do I develop a unique sound? It's like, dude, it's, it's it takes a long time. Just time. You got to put some time. time and you got to keep working. And not closing yourself in, like actually being open to, to trying out different things and different genres and so on. Totally. Because if you're trying to be the next Hardwell, then you, you will sound like Hardwell and you won't sound unique. Like Nobody's going to pick you up. Exactly. Nobody, you don't want two of the same. That's the whole yeah. point of me is being creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like your uh, what you talked about there, making sure it's comparable to what's on the label. I think that's really good advice because, um, oh man, I wish I didn't have to admit this, but I remember like after about, eight months of producing um i was like oh yeah i'll send my stuff off to a label you know it's, it's definitely yeah, there yeah. <laughs> it wasn't it's, i mean i think a lot a lot of people do that but, oh yeah uh, i think it's 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 one thing to have pride in your music and i think that's amazing you know at those starting points but not delu- gotta, not being delusional yeah but you gotta also put yourself and this this applies to your career from start to finish mm. you know and i think know where you're at and work work from there and make sure your goals are set to where they need to go but uh, i mean you can't think that you're going to be zed without putting yeah. uh, you know putting eight months in right you can't think you exactly. can get there it's yeah, a lot yeah. Of work. i think also when if someone's listening to this and, and they decide to do that like they're sending to a label which for reasons i wouldn't actually recommend like initially um i think free downloads are really helpful to, to gauge whether your music is there but yeah that's a good point that's a good yeah. point uploading soundload and soundcloud and seeing the people in the comments that's important too yeah but asking friends to be to actually be critical because because i know like i have people around me who will be critical but i also have friends who are like kind, oh, of, kind of people pleasers and they'll be like oh yeah no this is really good and and yeah, yeah, they might yeah. be thinking no this sucks so uh, you just you've got to ask him to like just rip into you it's, it's important to ask people who who know what's good right yeah because it's you know it's, it's one thing to ask your mom you know and <laughs> it's another thing to ask somebody who might be in the industry you know exactly. and there's lots of artists out there i've you know i've answered a lot of stuff when i when i have the time i'll i'll try and listen to a quick thing and be like hey this isn't quite there we've done a lot of master classes mm-hmm. i mean i've done a few master classes where i get to talk to some students and okay the song's good i like the idea but you know there's more more that more production more this it's got to be mastered it's got to you know mixed down and everything you know? mm-hmm. it's, it's important to ask somebody who uh who's in the industry as well yeah absolutely so so i imagine you get a lot of producers reaching out to you pardon you get a lot of producers contacting you and like asking for feedback yeah, yeah i mean my own mailbox is always always full, but I try I try to get to it, but it's it's really tough. It's yeah, really yeah, tough. yeah. No, for sure. But, but when I when I when I sit down and I got some breathing time, and yeah, I I try and sit down, and listen to it as much as I can, even if it's just a couple words. I know it's appreciated. So yeah, for sure. Uh, do you? Hmm. How do I word this? What are some of the biggest mistakes you see new producers making at the moment? I'm not too sure. That's a really good question. I think. I think to stay, what would be important to stay away is what we've been talking about in the past, you know, just making sure that you're not trying to be somebody. And, you know, I think if you look at guys like Gray, those guys are freaking mental producers. And I think we need lots more guys like that. So don't focus on being Gray, but be, being original like Gray. And uh, mm. I think, yeah, focus on originality is always the, the, the most important thing, I think. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, your 
your collaboration with Headhunters. It's called Unique. Yeah. How did that come yeah. about? I'm super curious because Headhunters is huge. I mean. Yeah, he's a big guy. <laughs> but, uh, big artist, sorry. Um, but uh, no, that was... Uh, that started... I'm I'm friend. Okay, that that relationship started from like me and Dairo. Okay. Me and Dairo club way back in the day, and then uh, was talking with his manager at the time, Jordy. Uh, Jordy's manager, his name is Frizzo. So me and Frizzo were talking back and forth, and then uh, sure enough, he went on to kind of manage Headhunters. Mm. So I started talking, and he really liked my new direction, and he's like, "Oh man." you got something really cool here. He's like, yeah, do you have any stuff? And we talked about, and he was talking about me, maybe me, I don't know, just, we just were talking about music. And the next thing you know, I was like, he sent me over all these vocals. And I was like, yeah. man, there's good ones in here. He's like, let me get on one. And he's like, actually, these are for Willem, like, uh, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, why don't we, why don't, why don't I get started on one? And if you like it, we can, we can uh, do um, a cloud on this so basically he was offering that and as long as I did a good job and sure enough they really liked the my draft that I sent over and they're like man yeah let's this is fire let's keep going let's so we went back and forth and talked and I uh, talked with Willem and Willem's got to be one of the nicest guys that uh, are mm. out there such a genuine genuine dude and uh, he knows his music like <laughs> so well and uh, yeah he's uh, yeah, I learned a lot from that uh, but it was yeah. basically connection from uh, behind the scenes and then uh, right. and then just networking and making sure the music was there and he gave me the vocals and I said alright let's do this and then bada bing bada boom that's awesome what is a this might be a hard question to answer but what is a production technique you use that not many people know about like an underrated technique I think chord voicing mm. is really important like uh, which notes you're using in your chord and then when you layer it up with another synth to try and fatten it up it's it's important to not always to just grab that midi region drag it down onto the next channel and you know boom i got my layer you know a lot of yeah but if you take time and you go into your voicings on those two separate things and first pay attention to the voicing on the first chord and then mm. for listeners voicing is like which notes that you choose in the chord and uh but yeah so it's making sure that one then you want to layer it up with something else maybe it's more stringy on top of a saw sounding thing and making rearranging those notes and you'll find that you know with no mixing whatsoever there's like your song your chords can just friggin hold i mean rattle the entire speakers like crazy way more without doing much to it for sure i think i think that's a good point uh and a lot of people they listen to a song from like virtual right or I'm not sure of, of some other artists, but the big, <clears throat> the big super sores, and you're like, oh, I can't get my uh, my layers to sound like that, and it's like, yeah, because you're using like three voices in the chord, yeah, um, yeah, you know, like you just need to stack it up, stack it up, yeah, stack it up. Add, maybe maybe it requires eight notes, or maybe you got three three uh, three notes on the one chord, and you got your next synth, and it's got four laid out higher octave, lower, whatever it is, and. Yeah, you fatten it up and thicken it up and put some compression and EQ and sidechain. There you go. You got a fat cord. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. That is underrated, actually. Not many people talk about that. Um, how, do you, uh, how do you usually start a track? Do you start with like a melody or a preset? Um, or does it change every time? Yeah, it depends. Most of the time, I like to focus on the highest point of energy. So, mm. that's usually the drop. Or I just like to focus on the hook. Let's just say that because I've yeah. written songs now that don't have a drop. 
you know, but yeah. I'm trying to just focus on the hook. Like what, what is going to make, you know, somebody go walk over to the speakers and turn it up, you know, be like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, so I always focus on that part, whether that's a little voice thing, like, like I wrote a song called on my way up and it's got this uh, vocal chop thing. And, uh, you know, I, I took so much time to find that rhythm. And then that, and then I started working backwards from there. I, I just had that. And then I go, all right, I need some chords after that. Then, okay, I got some, this, then percussion, then I'm filling it all out and that and happens quick. So I think, I, I think it always focuses on the, on the hook, but sometimes hook, that, yeah. be, that can be chords too. So, Gotcha, it, gotcha. I guess, I guess, I guess it kind of varies. I mean, that a lot of artists kind of say the same thing. Yeah, so. no, of course, that is the like invariably the answer. Um, I think yeah. one person said they start with like the drums only, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that too. Lots of the guy I'm working with right now, a really young guy. Uh, um, he uh, works heavily on the drums, and it's oh, like, okay. well, it's really cool. Different, different way to think. Yeah, I mean, I I do that as well. I think it's uh, it's interesting talking to people who come from a musical background. Like when I started producing, I've been playing drums for five years, and like I would spend a lot of time on drum programming. You know, yeah, just because I was used to that. Yeah, yeah, that helps too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. That's awesome. uh, what does your your daily schedule look like? How much time just been producing? And like, what do you do if you have any time? What do you do outside of production and touring? Um, Our time, like outside of, like if I'm sitting down producing. Yeah, just chilling. Yeah, yeah. Like if you have a spare time. Cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I cook and then, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of actually, surprisingly enough, like when I'm out, like I'm doing stuff like, or I'm playing shows, I'm, I'm quite a lively person and mm. like that, like, I, like quite energetic and my performances are quite energetic but uh, when I'm at home I think I just like to take advantage of it I, I stay yeah. at home a lot I love playing uh, Rocket League what's that? Uh, it's like a video game on the Playstation 4 and it's like the greatest yeah. <laughs> it is the greatest game in the world it's like RC cars it's RC cars playing soccer <laughs> <laughs> okay it sounds retarded but it is the greatest no, thing I just epic, actually man. Play, like like, cause I mean, just got back from ultra and I just like, so beat like yeah. fights long and it's so exhausted. So yesterday I just sat down and I was playing video games with my buddy and, um, also in other part of Canada, but we just sat down and we just played it for <laughs> so long. And I was like, I love doing that. That's fun. But I'm not a big gamer. That's the kind of only game that I play. Yeah. 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 Um, so daily schedule then, like what would, what would your typical day look like? A typical day in the life of Conroe? Just wake up. Yeah make some breakfast respond i always respond my emails first of the day which usually takes a solid hour and then uh yeah just take my time i always i just sit in my studio and i'm overlooking lots of Kelowna, like where i live and mm. got a big window and i just like sitting in here and making oh, music awesome. i'll do that until my back is sore and i'm like oh <laughs> it's, dark. it's dark outside and then i get up and then i make supper and Watch some TV and pass out. <laughs> Pretty boring. Simple, simple. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what it takes, though. That's yeah, it yeah. It's, it's good to stay focused. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I have two more. Um, actually, one more question. No, two more questions. Okay. If you were stuck on a desert island with 
uh, a laptop um, with the DAWU's logic. Yeah. Yeah, logic. Uh, and three third-party plugins, only three of them. One of them is a synth, the other two are like audio effects. What would they be? Um, I would use FabFilter EQ. Mm-hmm. I'd use OTT, multiband compression. Oh, yeah. Upward and downward compression. It is the simplest, most beautiful thing in the it's world. It's the best. <laughs> oh, dude, I, you, you, yes, you, hopefully you know all about that. Oh, yeah. And then uh, compression EQ and um, serum. Mm. I think that would, I think I can make make a lot of music with those three things and make it sound pretty dang good. I think compression and EQ is the key to everything. <laughs> that's kind of a, uh, well, that's tricky. Cause like, do you get the serum effects module as well? Cause you basically oh, right. like hack the system there. Oh, I hack the system. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Well, if I had to choose another one, I still actually use, uh, still use silent a little bit. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Because, it's for like really basic sense because I yeah. started using that one way back in the day. I mean, I just know it's so quick and so like, oh, I can just like, nice. Yeah. It's, it's so easy. And all the, like whenever I'm automating stuff, I'm not searching through or trying to like figure anything out. It's, uh, so I still use silent for basic stuff like sawtooth or stringy sounding things mm. and, and plucks and easy, easy. I can do it so faster. On there, I, so. Kind, I kind of miss it. Like I haven't used yeah. silent in three years yeah. and I, I kind of do miss it a little bit. I, I touch. I mean, like I said, I use it just for the simple stuff. But, yeah. Uh, more so, serum is what tickles my fancy now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, last question. What three pieces of advice would you give to someone listening to this who's like a new producer? They've been making music for six months at most. Yeah, I would say high five of them first and say right on, nice. and then just. I'd make sure that uh, they know that it's, you know, it requires patience and uh, mm. dedication and sometimes it's got to sacrifice some things to do it. But I mean, it's all worth it. And the, the, the feelings that you get when you get to perform your music, it's, it's all worth it. But it's like, just stick your head down into that computer and just work and, and soak up like a sponge as much as you can. Be happy. Put a big smile on and uh, everybody that you deal with because... Uh, music it might seem like a, a saturated hard thing to get into but once you st- start knocking down some of those doors i mean it's a small world so yeah make sure you're making uh, making your impression to the people that matter and uh, make sure you save um you know what we were talking before make sure that you're working to that point of quality before you start uh, throwing it at everybody and mm-hmm. you know it will, will catch eyes a lot quicker than you think fantastic advice well Connor thanks heaps for coming on the show I really appreciate it Um, for having me 100% man